0: when you're tired, it's hard to do anything. Anyway, the name of this is called Four Star General Explains USA Risk. Now, the one that I played right before that, it was called Economic Hitman, and I listened to that last night, and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it made me nervous, so here we go.
1: During one of those night operations, we had a helicopter shot down, and on board that helicopter was an entire SEAL troop, and of course they were all lost times of great trouble, we come together, and it's the thing that I love about our
0: country. What is your sense in ensuring that the infrastructure that we have is capable of taking a licking and keep on ticking?
1: Particularly when people are working from home, going to school from home, and are relying on the
0: internet for the information that they need, this is a fundamental government responsibility. And one of the most important things that leaders do is train their replacements. We can't think of people in the
1: private sector as vendors; we have to think of them as partners. This is what it
0: takes Here's another one. This is, um... hey, welcome to generally speaking today we're talking to general hotel from business executives for national security otherwise known as BENS. sir thank you very much for coming on and, and discussing your organization with us we're looking forward to the interview so uh, uh, I'm ready to be with you. just just to get started here um, you know, uh, the first time I uh, came into contact with Benz was as a lieutenant colonel at Whiteman Air Force Base, and a bunch of business leaders showed up to our base, and we hosted them for dinner, uh, and we talked a little bit about you know our mission, and then of course uh, you know they talked about their interest in national security, um, but you know as a as a young officer um, or at, at that time a mid mid officer and. Um, I, it was difficult for me to understand exactly what Ben's did, so I thought maybe we could discuss that first. You know, what what does Benz do? What is Ben's?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. My my introduction not much different than yours. Uh, but what Ben's is, is a national <clears throat> excuse me, it's a national nonprofit comp- uh, that's comprised of senior business and industry executives, really from across the country, who come together to apply best business practices. Uh, to address the nation's pressing, uh, security, uh, uh, challenges. Uh, and, uh, you know, they come from, they come from, as I mentioned, across the country. Uh, we've got about 460, uh, members, uh, in the organization right now. They represent virtually all of these sectors of business. Uh, you would think we might have, be heavily towards, uh, space and defense, and while we have some of that, majority of our people come from, uh, the sectors of business outside of that—venture capitalism, banking, uh, r- real estate, manufacturing, uh, transportation, infrastructure—all um, and all those different areas. Uh, and uh, you know, essentially, what we do is we work with our, co- with our government partners in the National Security and the National Security enterprise and we may and identify issues or challenges that are happening. What we try to do is look at those look at those uh, challenges that are identified to us. And look back into our into our inventory of members and draw out uh, the expertise that we think might be helpful in addressing them. And then we we take it as far as uh, as our government partners want us to, want us to take it.
0: So um, the now you're leading the organization. That's a big change from SoCOM and CENTCOM. Uh, what what has really you know? First of all, how did you come to you know be associated and then leading the the organization and then. And then, you know, what are the different challenges that you see uh, running a civilian organization from running, a, you know, two of the biggest uh, military organizations on the planet?
1: Uh, so, you know, I've uh, I, you know, had the great fortune of, of being a combat commander, and having the an opportunity to, to serve at that, uh, that particular level. And uh, so, you know, when it comes to FENDS, as, uh, as we mentioned at the moment, I mean, my My introduction to Benz was when I was an Army colonel. And I was leading an effort uh, uh, focused on trying to address the IED problem that we were having in Afghanistan and and, and Iraq. And uh, and this was back in about the 2003 time frame. And we really were poorly organized for this threat that we were dealing with and we were and it was my job to try to get the Department of Defense organized and as I looked around people uh, were giving me a lot of advice on people I should talk to and someone said hey have you talked to Benz and my immediate response was what's a Benz and so I did I I was able to reach out and, and they brought together a group for me and uh, really asked a number of probing questions, and really got me thinking about how I ought to be thinking about this problem, not just from a military standpoint, but from a manufacturing standpoint, from a technology standpoint, from a network standpoint. And it was extraordinarily helpful. Later, as a CENTCOM commander, I actually reached out to my predecessor, Norty Schwartz, and I uh, asked him to bring a team in as we were dealing with the, the fallout from uh, the rift between the between the uh, between the Qataris. And the Saudis and the Emiratis and everybody else in the, the Gulf region there, and I wanted them to come in and, and look and see if there's a business angle that I, we ought to be looking at as we try to resolve that. And they brought a team in and, and we, they um, uh, ultimately, you know, talked to a lot of people and came back to me with uh, with some thoughts and some recommendations on that. But again, it was it was another way of doing it. So I had a, I had a good base and a good appreciation for what Ben's was doing. And of course, I was, I mean, I'm an enormous fan of my predecessor. Schwartz, who was both a mentor and a role model for me, and frankly many others, and so, uh, you know, I, I mean, he, I, that, that left a very favorable impression for me. And, and frankly, as I kind of got into the selection process that, uh, that the board of directors went through, it was the members themselves that really sold the organization to I me. Mean, uh, their dedication, their concern about uh, about the nation, and the opportunity really to, to serve in a, in a different capacity. So that's that's really what uh, what brought me to this. You know, in terms of uh, in terms of leading here, um, you know, uh, it's certainly different to deal with uh, with people outside of the military structure. You know, those of us that grow up in the military structure, we become.
0: also the transition part of it, you know. As you mentioned, you you have been in the military most of your life, as have I. Um, what what advice would you have for um, for those that are transitioning out of the military into the civilian world? What are the things, particularly if you're going to lead an organization? What are the things that you ought to think about? Maybe three things that that, that come to mind. That since you've been out for a while now. Um, well, you know,
1: I uh, I think first and foremost, I think it's. it's important to uh, develop your own uh, habits on making sure you're informed on the issues, whether they are issues in the national security arena or whether they're issues in the business world. And uh, I, I think it's really important to, to get a habit uh, in place, whether you know the websites, the, the journals, the other sources of information that you go to that, that give you a broad understanding of what's going on. So I think it's important to be to be informed. Uh, and then I think it's important to to kind of read write and discuss uh, what's what's happening out there. I think this is uh, this is an important part of our of our process. I think, and don't and shouldn't be afraid of doing those types of things, and mm-hmm. talking to people about
0: uh, what's going out there. And,
1: I, and then I, I would say, you know, kind of figure out what your role is in, in, in this. Uh, whether you're going to be in, you know, you're trying to advise people about things to be participating in the decision making and stuff like that so um i think you know it's kind of those things right there be informed don't be afraid to talk to people write uh, write your write your ideas down and, and do a lot of reading uh, you know secretary mattis who's again very influential in my life uh, you know often reminded all of us on of that of the importance of just having a grounding in in, in good history of well, why things are i mean this is fun this is fundamental in, in a place like CENCOM, frankly. Um, because the underlying tensions are so deep, and it's not any different, I think, in the civilian world. And I think trying to understand that is important. And then, you know,
0: finding finding what your role is going to be, and then, and then
1: trying to fill it in the best way you
0: can. I'm sure that um, you had some of your ideas um, that you wanted to kind of uh, work on as you took over the organization. What are some of the things that Benz is working on now? And in particular, um, can you comment on? You know this this idea of the importance of uh, TikTok and data, and in, in terms of how we're looking at it uh, with this uh, new competition, uh, I think you know it would seem that Benz would be ideally suited to kind of examine some of these things. Yeah. So you know uh, that's a great question. So one one of the
1: that we created impact. Um, so one of the key things that we try to do is is, is continue to do what Ben's has always done, that is be responsive to requests that we get from government partners. Somebody comes to us and say, hey, I need some help in this particular area, and we try to provide that. But the second thing we're, we're really trying to do, Rob, here is we're trying to exercise what I would describe as intellectual uh, intellectual leadership. And that is, don't be afraid to... to step into uh, issues and start developing them out ourselves. Uh, As Someone reminded me on kind of the government side here, if you're waiting for somebody in the government to tell you to do something big and important, you may be waiting a long time. And as you look at Benz over the course of its history, the most iconic, the most impactful things that it has done, things like BRAC, things like the Tail to Tooth Commission back in the late 1990s, early 2000s, as just a couple of examples, these were, these were uh, activities that were started within Benz, uh, and we, we brought our, our members together, and we put deep thought into something, and then we brought our government partners in, one and we had an impact. So this idea of, of being responsive to our government partners, but also using this, this, this great tool we have of these business executives from across the, across the country to drive intellectual leadership is, uh, is I think, uh, really important. Aspect to us clearly, uh, China and, the, and, the, and the, the apps and other things that you mentioned, TikTok, are, uh, are, are are really important things um, that are that are impacting us on a day-to-day basis. It, it, it might interest you to know that uh, that you know one of the efforts that we've just kind of gone through here. Uh, one of the key things that came out of this, we were examining the current pandemic, as a matter of fact, and we're looking at how the how the national response to that uh, looked and and, and what, what what might we do in the future and one of the key things we took out of this was <clears throat> the importance of our digital infrastructure um you know the fact that uh, 30 to 40 percent of americans don't have regular access to uh quality broadband uh, internet service is, is a challenge particularly when people are working from home are going to school from home and are relying on the internet for the information that they need about what's happening on them so uh, i think what that highlighted to us is the importance of of the of digital infrastructure and making sure that we invest and prevail in things like 5g uh, and, and making sure that we try to get you know uh get uh extend the internet out to the edge uh, where people uh, where people need it. These are things that, I mean, there clearly are national security aspects of this, but there are also business aspects to this. And so I, I think, uh, I, I agree with you. I, I think this is an area where the business community can really, can really make a difference in this particular area right here.
0: So, I mean, you bring up a good uh, thought about um, the infrastructure portion of national security. And as you probably know, we have Uh, issues with regard to EMP hardening of our digital uh, infrastructure and and to include our electrical grid. We have cyber vulnerabilities um, throughout. You know, what is your sense now having kind of looked at this from the Ben's perspective in the role that government plays in ensuring that the infrastructure that we have is capable of uh, basically taking a licking and, and keep on ticking? No, this is uh, this is a
1: fundamental. This is a fundamental government responsibility. Uh, but uh, but in these cases, uh, the, the solution to this can can best be, uh, I think, can best be pursued through public-private uh, partnerships. Here, it is in fact energy companies and business and others that run these infrastructures that you're that you're talking about right here so there has to be uh, there has to be close uh, close relationships and we can't think of people in the private sector as vendors we have to think of them as partners uh, in this uh, for for, uh, from the government side Uh, and we have to look at how we how we bring all that together and 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 what we're trying to do through bends you mentioned a couple of key things here Uh, the uh, the resilience of our of our uh, energy grid Uh, this is this is the primary focus of our Energy Council, a group of members that has come together to look at how we how we make sure that we have a more secure grid. Uh, we, You know, the resilience, we've, and our Resilience Council, we're looking at how we uh, should be securing supply chains for uh, critical minerals, rare earth materials that are vital for national um, national security and our economic uh, viability. Um, you know, we're looking at tech, uh, our tech and innovation council. We're looking at uh, how we uh, how we secure the the coming five G network here. So we, we can we can prevail in this area. We can drive the uh, the norms and the standards uh, that uh, that will guide this, not just in our country but globally. Um, so I, this is, I think, very, very important. There's a real opportunity
0: here for public-private partnership in these vital vital areas. So, I mean, I think what what you bring up, and I'm sure you've had this uh, conversation with your members, is the the kind of uh, separation of powers, if you will, between the government and the private sector. So the, the, the private sector is profit-motivated. Uh, it has uh, responsibility to the shareholders to... A fiduciary responsibility to provide, um, you know, profit. And then, of course, you know, some of the things that we talk about, whether it be hardening for EMP or cyber resiliency, um, require expenses that, that oftentimes hit the bottom line. And so there's a trade-off there where if it's just your fiduciary responsibility that you're relying on, uh, you're not going to make the investment. So, you know, how... What have your members, you know, expressed in these, in these forums with regard to how do, we, how do we bridge that gap? Because, you know, the CEO of AT&T doesn't sit up at night wondering how to protect the country. He worries about, uh, you know, how he delivers value to his shareholders. So how do, we, how do we bridge that gap? Because I think one of the biggest challenges we have with regard to China is the fact that they can bridge it because they control both sides. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, well,
1: yeah, certainly we understand the the approach the, the that, that China takes on, on this. You know, I, I think, again, I, I think if you, if you go back and look a little bit at, at what Benz is trying to do and the members that we bring in here, I think that's part of the answer. You know, we, we are looking... We, are, we look for members who uh, who have strong uh, business talent, who have uh, uh, dem- demonstrated success at uh, at the high high corporate levels and uh, running important businesses. And- in, uh, across the country, uh, but also that show a strong interest in national security and that have a passion to serve. And this is really critical. And this is, I think, perhaps what, you know, uh, what maybe separates Benz from others here is that that is the primary motivation. People come to Benz because they want, they have a passion for our country they have a passion for serving and they want to uh, give their expertise to help make our country stronger and that, and there is a certain um, you know selfishness that comes along with that but I think that's what we actually actually need here, uh, as, as we as we approach this. I think we should never lose sight of things like the Marshall Plan. Um, and how we how our nation in in, in, the, in, a, in the after a sweeping victory in uh, in World War two and uh, globally here was able to kind of come together and lead the rebuilding of our of our enemies uh, in their countries and their economies and when you look into that when you look into the rebuilding particularly in europe um uh, which i've done a lot of reading on uh, you know the the this was not done by the military, it was not done by our diplomats, it was done by our business training. Uh The administration recruited uh, good business people to come in and provide leadership over the whole effort. Uh and then of course there were opportunities for American business to, to step in and make investments and, and help. Uh this is what it takes. Uh and this uh, this Marshall Plan uh ideology is what it what it what it what it is going to take for us to um to prevail in this. And that means there is going to have to be a uh an amount of selflessness, um uh in, in the business community and, and I think that it's there, frankly. I think in some regards, I think you do see it, uh, we see it, uh, as we look at some of our post-pandemic work here with a variety of different companies that have seen what's happening here, know there's got to be a better model for public-private civil cooperation, collaboration, and communication here, and are coming to the table to help us develop that. Uh, I I think it's out there, and I think we really, we just have to tap
0: into it. You know um i mean it's there's so much in that you know i think i'd like to ask you just a little bit something more a little bit more you know on uh, the leadership perspective um because i think it you know uh, I, I don't know your view but my view is you know one of the most important things if not the most important uh things you know, that leaders do is train their replacements uh, and really mentor and so I know if you're like me uh, at all, I, I get a lot of young people um, asking me to to mentor, and I'm sure that you're in in high demand for things like that. But you know, going you know through your mind of your long army career and how you came in as an infantry officer and, and all the experiences that you had, you know, what are what are some advice that you would give to uh, young people coming into the military today? It's a different environment. I'm you know as we both know but you know and then what are some of the things that you communicate to the these young kids that 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 want advice um in life and in leadership and in in the military and and just in general yeah I uh, I have uh, I have a couple I have I have kind of a pat thing that I that I talk to a lot
1: of people about and it kind of goes like this first thing is trust your instincts most people when they're they're being promoted or they're put into a position are, are, have demonstrated some level of great in, instinctual um, understanding of what they're supposed to do there. And they should they should trust themselves as they step into these positions. They wouldn't be moving into into positions of importance uh, or rising up in the military and business community if they hadn't demonstrated something. So they should trust themselves. They should trust their instincts. The second thing I, I always remind them is that you have to use your position. And if you're in the military, you're ranked for good. Your your job is to is to make things better for the people that are that are trying to do this, and and we should all be, I think, uh, trying to pursue that. Use your rank and your position for good. As I as I remind remind people on the military side, when I still have an opportunity to talk to them, is if you don't do it, it don't don't expect that somebody else is going to do it. It's your responsibility to do that. Third thing is take uh, take care of yourselves and your family. You know, I think everyone can understand the practical aspect of that. But people that that are following you are looking to leaders for the example that they are setting, whether they're in uniform or whether they're in the business community. And, uh, and and what I have found is that uh, these great young men and women we have across our country, uh, you know, struggle with uh, the competing value systems that they see. This desire to serve their country, but also to have families and to you know have roots and and you know be part of communities. And uh, so I think leaders have a responsibility to demonstrate balance in their lives. And so you know, you should take care of yourself. Uh, obviously, in your family, uh, you know be ready for the long haul here but, but in doing so, you, you need to set a good example for those that, that you 're leading and then finally, and I, I always I always end my discussions with this is be a be a happy and satisfied leader um, you know the, the one true indication that i that used I use this in uniform all the time. One true indication that it might be time to hang up in uniform is when you're not enjoying this anymore, uh, and then it's time to step aside. You know, mission accomplished. Move on with what you what you got to do. But I, I think all of us have a risk. all of us who serve in uniform and have it are in business suits or whatever it happens to be that are in leadership positions. I think have an inherent responsibility to make. Uh, you know, you're in uniform service to the nation, a positive and rewarding one, or for people that are leading organizations to make that, that work a rewarding, rewarding work for the, for the company, for the community, for, uh, for, you know, the people that are being served here. Uh, and I think you do that by being a satisfied and, and a happy leader. And, uh, so, you know, that's, that's, those are the kinds of things that I, I think about. You know, you know, kind of going back to one of the things we talked about a little bit earlier, you know, one of the things I've learned here, in stepping out there is that uh, leadership good leadership isn't defined by wearing a uniform frankly i'm here to tell you i've I've now in in 18 months have been exposed to a hell of a lot of great people out there across our country uh, who are not wearing uniforms boy they are they are formidable leaders and uh, they are trying to do the right thing so you know it's it's great the military is a great job of building leaders and developing people and and i think it's i think we should tap into that in, in, uh, in our communities and in our businesses uh, but uh, but there, there's great people out there there's great leaders out there that are, that are in uniform and, and not in uniform
0: as well So those uh, those youngsters that you talked to, one of the things that I've heard recently is this concern about discrimination or sexual assault in the military and I know as a commander how hard we fought um, to ensure to weed that stuff out, to stamp it out, to to, to take care of those issues and get those type of people out out of the service it's not something that you know was was conducive to morale or military service at all. But you know, I, can you just speak to over the course of your career, you know, the things that 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 um, you know the Army has done? I certainly know the Air Force, but what the Army has done to deal with some of these issues? Because I think there's a there's a general fear um you know of these things and, and really it's not the military i experienced but you know i wanted to hear from you what your thoughts were both in terms of what the army uh as an institution is doing the military overall and, and is there things that you think that we could do better
1: yeah well
0: i i, I certainly think we, there's things we can and we should always strive to
1: do better in but but uh you know i, I would, the thing i loved about being the uniform is i i always thought the military was a learning organization and we are always trying to improve ourselves and get better at the, at the things that we did. And whether that was, you know, through our after-action review processes that become endemic, and virtually everything that we do to, you know, be critical of ourselves with a view towards getting better uh, in the future, or, or whatever it happens to be, I, I love that aspect of the military, and I think it's, I think it's something that's directly transferable to the civilian world. And, and I see more and more of that as I, as I. Get more immersed into it out here. So I I think that I think we always have to strive to do to to do better in this. You know what I I, what I what I observed over the course of my uh, military career. I think is 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 just that is us getting better. Whether it has been in our approach to you know gay lesbian um bisexuals um uh, into the military and and how we've migrated with that or whether it has been the uh, incorporation of uh female service members into all military specialties um you know this was uh this was something that uh, that fell into my um uh, into my lap when I was the SOCOM commander opening up our specialties to um all specialties to 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 both male and, and females, and uh, we went through a I, you know uh, went through a very uh, deliberate process for doing that. I'm very I was very proud of how we how we did that in the organization, and we were very focused on. Our, know this is not about lowering standards it's about uh, it's about providing opportunity and and frankly in my experience I had seen females uh, that that were making extraordinary contributions Uh, and so we you know we were able to get to a place uh, within SOCOM at the time where we were able to able to do that Recognizing it probably isn't going to be great numbers uh, that are going to that are going to migrate into those specialties but nonetheless the opportunity is there so I I think we have gotten better with this, and we have to continue to do this things like sexual harassment certainly sexual assault um, and uh, and then you know, the racial biases that uh, that have creeped us there's there's just no place for that in in, uh, in in the work that we are doing for our nation or frankly in our in any of our communities and we uh, we have to do that we can't lose sight of what the, you know the purpose of the Constitution is Create a more perfect union, uh, continuing experiment, continuous improvement as we move forward. I think it's absolutely critical. You know, one of the things that I've been surprised at over the years, um, you know,
0: uh, in dealing with civilian organizations like academia or just any situation, is sometimes we in the military have a little bit different view just because of the environment we're, we're in. In in particular with regard to these things like um, you know uh, discrimination or bias, have you noticed you know as you as you've transitioned, have you noticed uh, that you know maybe organizations don't do as much as the military because you know I've been I'm caught off guard quite frankly sometimes in uh, in that you know sometimes in, in a lot of ways particularly with regard to bias. Or prejudice. We live in a sheltered world. In that, you know, it's 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 something that we focus on. in this kind of integration and and um, and cohesiveness. Well, I, I don't I don't know that I've uh, you not noticed anything
1: particularly significant in terms of this that's worse off in the civilian world than maybe what that, you know what we experienced in the military here with the challenges that we dealt with in this and uh, i i think, uh, I, think the, I think the point here is i think leaders have to be on be on watch for this they have to be looking at this in their organizations uh, and uh, and uh, and where it, where it exists and where it manifests itself it has to be addressed quickly uh, and very directly I think and and uh, and, uh, and a very very strong message sent uh, about that about how we how you operate in in, uh, in, in these in organizations uh, whether they're in the business side or National security side. I just think it's uh, it's it's really important. I, I I don't have any particular experiences that I've you know, had in the last eighteen okay. months that I can really relate for you. But I but as I travel around, I talk to business executives in a variety of different areas, both male and female. Um, I you know I, I I I I get a very strong sense that they recognize that their most important resource in many cases. Are their people uh, and they they are they are generally concerned about those types of uh, types of issues uh, and uh, and are taking taking measures to make sure that uh, that there were places that is addressed now and you're
0: and um, you're coming up through the ranks I want to go back to kind of the the, 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 the young people um, that that you're talking to now like you know in your career, if you were to start it uh, today, what are some of the skill sets that maybe you would want to bring into the military that that maybe you didn't have at the time? Or, or is, is there is there you know some way that you would prepare yourself for the next you know forty year career in the military? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I, I think uh, I
1: think when I came in the military, I was uh, I'll speak for myself. Like I think I. Had, uh, had blinders on. I was mostly focused on the things that were happening in my my little world right there, and uh, and um, you know and obviously that that's very important. I think as you agree, a new officer and new non-commissioned officer or joining uh, joining the service, really you know be an expert at uh, at your job. I, that, I think that's that's really really important. Um, as I as I as I grew in the, in the military and took on more rank and more responsibility I, I wish I had I wish I had taken more opportunities earlier to broaden myself and understand the, uh, the bigger picture I, you know I think I eventually kind of got there in terms of that but I but I think um, you know thinking uh, I think one of the things you always have to be careful of is just thinking too narrowly uh, about things and not taking a long-term perspective on things and not looking at the at the at the big picture. You know, as as Americans and certainly as American military officers, a lot of us are Type A's. We're mission focused. We want to get in and get something done for the nation and take care of our troops. And so we have a tendency to, I think, and sometimes to look at short-term solutions. Uh, and in many cases, those are those are not. Uh, those dogs don't, don't, don't last, they don't endure, uh, and so I think you have to, uh, you have to learn to be patient, uh, you have to learn to, you know, school yourself, and think a little bit more broadly in terms of the, uh, the things that you're doing, and uh, and so I, I wish that, I wish I had done that earlier in my, in my career.
0: Now are there some, uh, I want to give you an opportunity if there's some things that you would like to kind of talk about. That are, that are particularly uh, something that you would like to point out or that you want to get a message out there you know this is going to go out on valuetainment and they have a lot of subscribers. Of course they're going to be hearing about Bens for the first time um, but also you know there, if you want if you want to make an appeal or, or, or educate about Bens is there something that you would particularly like to, to bring to attention? Sure um, yeah so you know we've
1: talked we've talked quite a bit about Bens already here. But uh, you know what I, what I would uh, just kind of highlight to you is that um, you know the Ben's the Ben's approach is a different is a different approach, I think, and I, and I think it's because of uh, kind of our kind of what, what I would describe as our guiding principles about how we how we try to operate. We're focused on actionable solutions. Our founder Stanley Weiss, described us as a do tank, not a think tank, uh, and I think there's an important distinction in that that we are we are focused on on helping our government partners find solutions, um, not just the, and I'm not denigrating think tanks, I mean, they provide a very vital uh, resource for us here, but 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 it's focused on actionable solutions. We are member-driven and financed, um, and that, that's it. This is uh, the these uh, men and women that join and uh, bring their time, talent, treasure to the organization. We take no funding from the government or anybody else, uh, corporations or anything else. It, that's not what this is about. Um, we strive to be fiercely non-partisan. One of the one of the things that our that government partners told us as we went through our strategic reviews, they really valued about us was that we were a neutral convener here, um, that we were we could be a trusted partner in that. So being a trusted uh, and neutral partner and convener is an important is an important approach for us. Um, being bound to strict ethics, um, we're, it's not about business development for our members. It's not about selling a widget or selling, providing this particular service right here. It is about Helping our government partners solve And these are important, I think important principles that kind of guide how we try to, um, try to, try to, uh, try to operate. Uh, and you know, we try to operate in a manner, I think, that demonstrates to the national security, uh, environment or the, or the community that you know, the business community is a serious and dedicated partner, not just another vendor, but a serious and dedicated partner here, um, and, uh, and are very, very focused on, on helping solve problems. So we talked a lot about Bens here, but, uh, but I, I think that's the one thing. It's a values-based organization here that's, that is truly concerned about the national security of our country and is, is bringing these, this unique capability to bear on behalf of our nation.
0: Well, thanks for that. You know, um, one of the things that we have in the military that I'm sure that you, uh, the Army has, just like the Air Force has, is storytelling. So, uh, and that's how we learn. Is there is there any um, particular story that you would like to share? You know, one of the things that you went through is uh, is uh, Ranger School. That's a, uh, that's a very uh, difficult and arduous process, um, which I know there's a lot of stories that come out of that, but is there anything that kind of sticks out with you that uh, where you learned a lesson and that you that stuck with you but um you know and it's a story that you tell about your time in the military i know i have a bunch of them but sure. what do you think? Uh, yeah i'll share two things with you first off you mentioned ranger school
1: so I, I just happened to go through ranger school with our current uh chairman of the joint chiefs mark milling uh and uh we always talked about that and uh, Mark had in his uh, in his office, I presume he still does, a picture of our Ranger School graduation. And as, as people departed the military, he would put an X over their face. So every time I went to see him, I had to check and make sure that he had not yet put an X over my face. that I had so, um, But, uh, you know, again, that camaraderie with that. You know, I think the story mm-hmm. that I would uh, share with you is, is this one. Is uh, really about, and somebody asked me about this the other day, about my best day and my worst day and uh, in the military, and then, uh, you know, I would I would just share back in the early part of August of 2011, I was serving as the JSOC commander, and we were doing some operations in, in Afghanistan against the Taliban, and during one of those night operations, uh, we uh, we had a helicopter shot down, and on board that helicopter was an entire SEAL troop and a uh, group of Afghan partners were with us, and, and of course the crew of a uh, National Guard crew of this uh, this helicopter, and they were all they were all lost. And uh, that, to me, uh, I think was uh, you know, the worst moment in my, in my military career. That obviously know, I, that I was, uh, was the commander; I'm responsible for everything that happens in the organization here, and, uh, and so this huge. And, the horrific loss of life that, uh, that went along with that, and of course, uh, uh, you know, everything that, that ensued. But but in in the days that came after that, um, I began to see the best days of my career and, and uh, my service. And that was when people came to, to help us through that particular situation. And that, that, that night, You know, about Ranger platoon moved across country to secure the site. I I I, I leveraged uh, the friendships and uh, the relationships we had right there in Afghanistan to get forces down there to help us uh, not only secure, you know, we literally had to fight our way into this. This is an enemy territory to help secure the area and then to recover our, our fallen and. And uh, and, uh, and get all the remnants of our helicopter out of there, and then help get that back there. I relied on people back here in the United States to do the, the most horrendous thing that anybody would have to do, and that is go and inform families of the loss of their of their of their loved ones, and then of course uh, you know to honor them as they did. But what I saw in that incident was you know in my my great despair, the organization despair of this horrific loss. But what I saw was the was the strength. Of Military and the strength of the country. Frankly, that came through that in, in times, in times of great trouble, we, we come together and help each other. And that was that was that's my personal example of it. And it, you know, over the course of a week, I went from you know, one extreme to the exact opposite here. Uh, but it's the thing that I think about all the time. It's the thing that I loved about being in uniform, uh, and it's the thing that I love about our country uh, that we we can come together. And, in uh, times of strife, and, and really, really help us through. And I think we always have to think about that. I always think about the, the 12th of September, uh, 2001, and what the feeling was in our country on that particular day. That to me is, uh, is what, what resonates, uh, resonates the most. And
0: in, in uniform, it certainly was for me, and I think it does in day to day life. Certainly, powerful words, General Botel, I wanna, I wanna thank you for your decades of service to the country, and the fact that you've decided to continue to serve, leading the organization of bands that really um, values the, the country, the Constitution, our national security, and I, I really wanna thank you for the time today. On generally speaking, it was a, it was an enlightening, wonderful interview, and. And I really enjoyed the conversation and the camaraderie of, uh, you know, talking to a former military member like myself. Great, Great. thanks for for doing this. Really, really, really enjoyed it. So uh, have a great day and thank you so much. Thanks. Good to see you. Okay. One of the things we never realized Um. is the very strong link between... Okay, that actually was not bad, but it wasn't the one that I, um, intended on, and that was my bad, but I did find it, so, let's see, I should be able to just pull it up, let me get these other ones, um, updated, and I'll be right back.